thank you for joining us here today at Victory Church where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at victory.church or just download our Victory app. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chastain. Well, we're going to continue in this season. Uh, we've been in this season um, uh, called Half the Battle, and I pray that it's been encouraging you. And just before you get too settled in here, I want you to know that I'm beginning to sense a changing of the season. Um, and I know it's 90 degrees today in Oklahoma. I think it's going to be like 90 degrees today, and it sure doesn't feel like fall. But we know fall's coming. <laughs> I, I saw some leaves beginning to fall off some trees here and there. And they may be falling because they're dying of heat exhaustion, but that's okay. There's, it's, it's still changing. We see the signs of fall coming. And th that's what I love about what we do at Victory Church. We don't necessarily do series because series have a definite end date. It's like it's a four-week series, it's a three-week series, it's a five-week series. And our seasons, we don't really know when they're going to end and when the next one begins, but we begin to sense the Holy Spirit saying there's change coming. And I'm beginning to sense that. I have a couple of more messages in me for this season that we're in. But I'm already beginning to sense uh, the next season. We'll be sharing more about that in a couple of weeks. But I just want to begin to, to even shift your spirit and to begin to shift your mindset for what's next uh, in our church and in the season that we're in. And I believe that anything that God is leading us through as a church, that he's leading us through individually, that when we come together as a church, we become one body. And so I want to, begin, I want to ask you to begin to pray about that. Pray for me as I begin to study and prepare for what that next season is. Um, because I think it's going to be a great one. In this current season that we're in, I'm learning so much from Joshua. And, you know, Joshua is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters of the Bible. And every person in the Bible is flawed. I, I realize that. But I'm beginning to see so much strength in Joshua. And he isn't one of the big names that gets all the attention. Usually Moses is at the forefront of anything that's talking about the exodus of the Israelites to the promised land. But I began to see so much leadership in Joshua and so much uh, uh, attributes of his life and attributes of his, of his mindset and the way he led that has inspired me. And today I want to kind of camp there. And I've preached this text before, Exodus chapter 33. It's actually one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. You can begin turning there in Exodus chapter 33. And I've preached this text before whenever God, Moses tells God, well, first God tells Moses, you're a stiff-necked people and I'm not going to go with you. You're going to get to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses cries out, and we, we, many of us know this story well, Moses cries out, if you're not going to send us, if you're not going to come with us, then don't even send us. And talking about the power of the presence of God, and Moses is very aware of how powerful this presence is, and he wants God to come with him. And if you're not going to come with me, then I don't want to go. And I've preached that text before, but locked inside this chapter was something that I had never seen before. And I want to show you this. I want to I unpack this. So if you're there in Exodus chapter 33, uh, verse 8, I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. And this will kind of be our foundational text today. And then I'll give one more supporting text. All right. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 8, it says, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrance of their own tents. And they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. And verse 11 is where we're going to camp mostly today. 
It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. And this is why Moses gets all the attention. Because God would come and speak to this dude face to face. And so Moses kind of goes to the forefront in our minds of this amazing man of God, which he was. And then this, this second sentence in verse 11 is, I'm going to, this is the meat right here that we're going to unpack today. It says, afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. And I have read this text many times, but for some reason it stood out to me in a different way. These, these two words, he remained behind in the tent of meeting. He remained behind in the, in the place of the Lord. He remained behind in the presence of the Lord. He remained behind in the house of the Lord. And what this was doing in him, it's important to, to stay in the tent sometimes. Uh, elbow your neighbor just real quick and say, stay in the tent. Stay in the tent. We're going to talk about this today. Before I do, I want to give you one more text to help set this up. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to go over to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, verse 16. I think this is a, a text that will set this up of why we need to stay in the tent, okay, in times like we face in this day and age. Isaiah 42, 16 says, this is the Lord. saying, so He says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them, and I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. And these are the things that I will do, and I will not forsake them. And there is a future for all of us. All of us have something in front of us, a future that we're waiting for and hoping for and praying for. And in times like we face, these are very uncharted territories and very unfamiliar places, very uneasy places. And sometimes I must remain in the tent. I must remain behind to be able to see what lies ahead. And I think as we'll begin to unpack here, I think one of the reasons that Joshua became such a good leader and the ability to lead people to places, to unfamiliar territories ahead is because he was a man who understood growing up the principle of staying behind and staying in the tent. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject of it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. But I want to give a subtitle, and the subtitle of my message is Stay in the Tent. Can you say it one more time with me? Say, stay in the tent. Let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, we thank you for um, being here with us today. And those of you who have yet to be able to come to meet in person, we pray special blessing over them for those who are sick, for those who are uh, susceptible to the virus that may be watching online. We pray covering over them. We pray Psalm 91 over them, God, that may no, no plague come near their tent, Father. And we, I, I pray blessings and protection even over this room and in the Edmond campus, Father, that you would put, give a bubble of protection around us, Father, as we gather in your tent, Father, in the house of God. Would you, would you bring protection over us? And we open our minds to hear from you. Speak to us, God. We want to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice for our future. And we thank you for what you're doing uh, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. 
So earlier this summer, um, we went on our family vacation and we went to, to Wyoming. We went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to the Teton Mountains, and they were just absolutely stunningly beautiful. And I highly encourage you to go there. I'm not getting any, any pay for that. The state of Wyoming doesn't pay me for saying that. You really should go there. And, uh, but one thing that I realized really quickly as we got there is I am lost. Like, I have no idea how, how to do anything there. And I realized early, later on in our, in our time, we were doing a, a horseback riding mountain deal, and we had a guide. And as we were riding along, uh, she started talking about how, yeah, she said, oh, yeah, just this morning, the tour that went out this morning saw a grizzly bear on the ride. And I'm like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I'm riding on a giant hunk of meat, and I am a hunk of meat. And you just told me that there's a grizzly bear, like somewhere through here. And I sped up a little bit and got a little bit closer to my guide. I just, you know, I don't have to outrun all these people. I just got to outrun a few, outrun a few of them and we'll be okay. I'm like, you up for this? I can't remember my horse's name, but I was like, you up for this, buddy? Um, but I came to realize really quickly that I need a guide. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And as, as we rode along, I began to ponder on that. And I began to realize that from... From the moment I walked out the front door of my house to head to Wyoming, I was lost. Like I hadn't, I had no idea. If I, if I wouldn't, the, the airplane that took me there guided me there. And if I wouldn't have had an airplane, I would have had to have had a map. And then we land and I'm like, well, I don't know where our condo is, but I got GPS. So GPS guided me to the, to, to the place. And then I didn't know where to eat. I didn't know where the restaurants were but I had a device that guided me and showed me the reviews and showed me where I should eat and shouldn't eat. And then we went on a river rafting tour. Like if I wouldn't have had a guide there, y'all, I wouldn't be, I'd be dead right now. I would not be sitting here. I would have died. And I, I just began to realize that every single aspect of that entire trip, I needed to have a guide. I didn't know anything about anything in the mountains of Wyoming. And I think you know, life is similar to this, that we need a guide. And as much as we think we have life figured out, the truth of the matter is, is we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> and we are lost. We're lost. We're, com we're completely lost. And there's many days throughout this year of 2020 that I have felt incredibly lost. As a leader, as a pastor, what does the church of tomorrow look like? I have no idea when a, small, a smaller percentage of our church is gathering back and nobody really knows when the COVID thing is over and nobody really knows what that's gonna look like and nobody really knows the elections and what's to come and what are the results of either candidate winning. Like we're lost. I mean, maybe in the past we've had some glimmer of, yeah, I think it'll go this way, but I mean, I think you'll all agree that we are all like pretty lost here. We have no idea what's to come. We have no idea what is going to happen. We have no idea how we're going to resolve ra racial tension in our nation and the, the reconciliation of, of, you know, hundreds of years of, of difficulty in our nation in that realm. And nobody really understands how we're going to get through this. Nobody really understands. And if they tell you they do, they're just kidding themselves. Because the truth of the matter is, is we need a guide. And we can't take one step. We can't do one thing without having a guide. Uh, through this process. And I don't know what area of your life that you feel lost. Maybe, maybe that the elections and all of that mess isn't at the forefront of your life. Maybe at the forefront of your life is losing your job. Maybe that's the, the new territory for you. Because there's always, 
times and seasons of our life when we have new territory and we step into a place we have never been before. I've never had marital tension. I've never had financial hardship. I've never had this happening in my life. And time and time again, throughout our life, we're going to step into new territory. And it's in these new territories that we have to have a guide. And I think that's why I begin to, to respect Joshua so much. Because here's a guy who led an entire nation of over a million people, they believe, into new territory, a place that they had never been before, to fight battles, to understand, and to walk through hardship, and, and to take back ground from the enemy, and take the possession of this land. And I'm so impressed with Joshua, because when God comes to him and gives him his assignment, he doesn't even waver. And, you know, we, we look at all of the heroes of our faith, you know, and Gideon and, and Moses and, and Jonah and all these big name people that we learn about in Sunday school. But I'm mindful of the fact that every one of them, when they were given their God assignment, were all like, oh, God, no, please pick somebody else. I'm the weakest. Gideon said, I'm the weakest. Don't pick me. Moses was like, I st- st- stutter. Don't pick me. Even Saul, the very first king of Israel, he said, I'm the weakest, don't, don't pick me. Jonah, Jonah just flat out turned around and ran the other direction. He was like, oh, no, just went off screaming. But Joshua, I love Joshua's response. I want to show you Joshua's response. We know that in Joshua chapter 1, Moses dies and God comes to Joshua. And I don't, I don't think necessarily that this is the first time that God speaks to Joshua but it is the first time it is recorded in the Bible that God speaks to Joshua, very first time. And God comes to Joshua and he says, Moses, your servant, Moses, my servant is dead. You know, I want you to lead these people into the promised land. And he tells him over and over again, be strong and courageous and I will be with you and I'll give you every place your foot touches and I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. And then this is, this is Joshua's reply. He doesn't cower, he doesn't have excuses, he doesn't waver. In verse 10, he says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Like the spirit of T.D. Jakes comes on him. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, right? And he says, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you, you, giving you for your own. He has no fear of leading into new territory. No fear. He just says, let's do it. Let's do it. This is the day. This is, this is what we came here for. And so I, I, I wanted to find out what this secret sauce was. That this guy had some secret sauce. And, and so going back to this text in, verse, in, in Exodus 33, this young man, the Bible explicitly says, the young man, the young man, he, he calls him a young man. Let's go back and read it. We'll just read it again in verse 11. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp. Now, this is where I think some secret sauce began to stir in Joshua. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain. He would stay in the tent. He remained behind. When everything else moved ahead, he remained behind. He's like, I'm going to stay right here in the presence of God. I'm just going to camp here for a little bit longer. I don't want to go back to the camp. I want to set up camp here. And I think that it was in those times as a young man that God was stirring something inside of him as a leader to give him a boldness. And later on in the story, 
Moses was about to die and Moses was having one last conversation with God, one last conversation with God and he was all concerned about the succession plan. He's like, who's gonna take over this, these people? Who's gonna, who's gonna take this over, God? And I need you to, to help me pick the right person. And this is Moses' request. Watch Moses' request in Numbers twenty-seven fifteen. It says, then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them and who may lead them out and bring them in. He's like, bring a great leader in here, God, that's going to bring him in and go out. And he's going to go out before them and come in before them. He's going to go out to battle before them. He's going to come into the presence of God before them. He's going to lead them in the right path. And it says that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep with which have no shepherd. And I love God's answer. And I think God's answer gives us an insight into Joshua and all of the years leading up to this moment. In Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, God answers. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of, the son of Nun, with you. Now watch this. A man in whom is the Spirit. That was the only prerequisite. I don't care how big of a warrior he is. I don't care how famous he is. I don't care how many followers he has. God says, the only man that I'm choosing is the one in whom resides the spirit. And I think that as a young man, Joshua received this inhabitation of the spirit by staying, by staying behind in the tent and not rushing back out to life, but remaining back in the presence of God. And there's something supernatural that happens when we stay in the tent. And I want to just unpack this for the few minutes that I have left. If, if you feel lost today, if you feel lost in any way in your, in your soul, in your, in your mind, your will, will, in your emotions, that there's something inside of you that just feels utterly lost um, there's three things that we can learn from Joshua in one sentence, in the, the last sentence of, of verse 11. Let's read it one more time. It says, afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent. The first thing we can learn from this, if you're taking notes, is this. Pursue God's presence, not God's person. And this is really important. Um, it's interesting that it says that after it was all over, after Moses met with God face to face, it says that Moses would return to camp. In fact, if you back up a few verses, we read it at the beginning in verse eight, it says that as Moses would approach the tent of meeting, the Bible says that all of Israel would step out of their tent. And then the Bible says in verse eight, and they would watch Moses go into his tent. All eyes on Moses, all eyes on the leader, all eyes on the man of God, right? So all of the action of the Israelites happened as a man would meet with God. And it stuck out to me that as Moses, it says that Moses went back to camp and his assistant, the young man Joshua said, ah, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here in the presence of God. Because I got, that's hard for me, y'all, because I got, I got, y'all know what FOMO is? I got FOMO. I have what's called fear of missing out. 
fear of missing out, FOMO. And like if, if, I, if I was this guy, if I was Moses' uh, protege, you know, and I, I was his assistant, I followed him everywhere. If Moses went back to camp, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to miss this. Did you see the last time he raised his staff, man? Last time he raised his staff, something crazy happened. I'm not going to miss this. I'm going to follow this dude everywhere. And I'm not going to miss anything that happens because every time, every time this guy goes to meet with God, something miraculous happens. But I love, what I love about Joshua is that although he loved and served the man of God, he was not fixated on the man of God. He was fixated on the God in the man. And this is something that the church has really messed up. Okay? And I want us to be very careful about this as believers. Please, please hear me. Do not base your faith on a man. Do not base your faith on a church. Do not base your faith on a television evangelist because we will, myself included, we will let you down. We will let you down. We're, we're, we're human. Joshua's success story was because he remained behind, not because he followed along. Stay in the tent. Stay in the tent. Stay in the presence of God. This is, this is a major weakness of the church today because this is what we do. And I, I think we should honor leaders. I think we should honor pastors. I, don't get me wrong. I think they deserve double honor as the Bible says. But there's a difference between honoring leaders and placing leaders on pedestals. It, when you place a leader on a pedestal, it is no different than raising up an idol like they did in the Old Testament that they called a high place. We, we, we have to be careful not to do this because when we build pedestals and we place leaders upon them, these pedestals for leaders, when we build pedestals for leaders, we build gallows for the enemy to hang them on. This is very, this is very important. I know it's got real quiet in here. And, and I'm okay with you honoring me and I, I love it when you honor me and I'm honored to be your pastor, but I want, what I want you to know is your faith in God cannot be through this six, seven dude. It won't last. It won't last. You, you have to stay in the tent. There's only one Savior, and it's not me. <laughs> there, there's, only, there's only one that's worthy of your adoration. It's not me. I'm not worthy of it. There's only one who's worthy of your praise. It's not me. It's not me. I believe that the reason Joshua was able to lead through uncertain times and lead through difficult times is because he did not place his faith in man. He placed his faith in God. And he stayed in the tent. He stayed in the tent. He, he was diligent. And I may be the one who leads you into the presence of God, but it does not mean that you have to follow me when we leave the presence of God. It does not, don't follow me, follow God. Very simple, very simple. Let's, let's, let's find another one, number two. Okay, let's go back to verse 11. I'll find it for you. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp. I want you to see this. I want you to see the title on Joshua's business card. Okay, Joshua handed you a business card. This is what it would have said. But the young man who assisted him, assisted him. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Before Joshua was assigned, he assisted he assisted. Joshua was an assistant. He was not the uh, assistant regional manager. 
He was the assistant to the regional manager. I just wanted to see who'd get it. All my Gen Ys and below are smiling and laughing and all my baby boomers and above are looking at me very confused. It's okay, ask your grandkids. So this is Joshua, y'all. Joshua would go on to, to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. He would go on to shout at the Jericho walls and watch them fall. He would go on to look up at the sun and say, sun, stand still. This, this dude was a bad dude. Like he went on to do amazing things. He was a warrior of warriors. I told you this before. But as Moses was raising his hands, and as long as his hands were raised, they were winning. Guess who was down there doing the actual fighting? Joshua. On the banks of the Jordan River, Joshua ran up on a dude and said, are you with us or are you for us? Didn't know he was running up on an angel, but he was ready to cut the angel. He was like, who, who are you with? This dude was a warrior. But I want, what I want us to realize about Joshua is before he was ever a warrior, he was a servant. Before he was ever CEO, he was CSO chief serving officer. And too many times we're looking for something when really what God really wants out of us is just to serve. The real question is, can you serve someone else's vision before God gives you yours? Joshua was willing to serve another person's vision before God would ever give him his. And this word, I love this word, serve, this word assistant in the text of this Hebrew word, is the Hebrew word sharaf, and it means to serve, to wait upon, to minister to. And I think this is the real difference we need to really translate our minds to think is that I'm not necessarily just serving, I'm not necessarily volunteering, I'm ministering. I'm ministering to someone. That it is my ministry. I may not have a 501c3, I may not have a TV ministry, I may not have a platform, but it is, it is my ministry, it is our ministry to serve. So can we remain behind, can we remain where we are um, until God gives us where you're going? Can, can I just remain behind? Can I just stay in the tent and be satisfied and be content with being in his presence until God gives me my assignment to go into my future? So if you're still waiting, if you're still waiting on God, because guess what? You're going to spend most of your life waiting on God, so get used to it. So if you're waiting on God, it, it means one of two things. It's real simple. The first thing it might mean is you're not ready for the assignment. You're just not ready. And that's okay. That's okay. It just, it just means you're not ready yet. And if you think you're ready, then it means this. It means the assignment's not ready for you. The assignment's not ready for you. So what do I do in the waiting? I just stay in the tent. I just stay behind. I am willing and able and, and excited to just stay in God's presence. This is a pattern in scripture, by the way, this idea of serving, it's a pattern. Before Joseph, you know, y'all remember Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery and he went and served Potiphar's house and then he was thrown in prison. You know what he did all through his process? Before, he, before, he, before Pharaoh ever gave him a ring and told him you're in charge of all of Egypt and nobody is more powerful in Egypt except me. Listen to this dude, Joseph. Before he was ever put in charge, he was a servant, literally. He served. And before David was ever the next king, he was a servant to the current king. The king who threw spears at him. He was a servant before he was ever king. And before Jesus was ever a savior, he was a servant. 
He came not to lord it over us, not to rule and reign in the way that we think ruling and reigning happens on earth. He came to serve. He came to give his life for us. Think about Elijah and Elisha, the story of Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha was going to get a double portion. Wow. Double portion of anointing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a double portion of Elijah's anointing? And he would take Elijah's cloak. And there was going to come a time when Elisha took on the mantle of Elijah and the same river that Elijah struck with the cloak and saw the waters part. Just a few short verses later, Elisha would take that same cloak and strike the water and see the same waters part in amazing ways. But before that ever happened, this happened in verse 21 of 1 Kings 19. It says, so Elisha left him and went back and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And Elisha would go on to do miraculous signs and wonders. He would help the widow understand to go and borrow jars. And as long as the jars kept coming, the oil kept pouring. And Elisha would pray and raise a dead child to life. And Elisha would tell Naaman to dip seven times in the river. And we would see, he would see that healing happen. And Elisha told the, uh, an axe head to float on top of the water and did amazing things all through Scripture. But before he ever did one miracle, he was a servant. He was a servant. And I want to remind us in this season when we're waiting, when we don't know what's going to happen, when we feel lost, when we don't know what the world looks like, maybe we should just turn back to the basics and say, who can I serve? Who, who, can, I, who can I make this about instead of making it about me? Who can I just turn and serve? Maybe I need to serve my church. Maybe I need to serve my community. Maybe instead of being all worked up and worried about my own life, but maybe the best way to bring peace in my life is to bring peace in someone else's life. So who can I serve, right? Who can I serve? Who can I do a work in their life? And this is my life. I mean, before I ever opened a Bible on this platform to preach, I opened doors. I was a greeter at Victory Church. Like, I sat right over here. I was a back row guy. Can I get an amen from all my back row people? Back row people are like, we don't amen back here. That's for the front row. <laughs> I sat right over here. I was like back there. I remember one time, that was, was random, this random thought just came to me. One time I brought this huge coffee into this auditorium from the grind, and I spilled it, and it just went everywhere. And uh, I don't know why I thought of that story. When I look back there, I, that's my memory of church, coming to church here, is I dropped a massive cup of coffee, and I was like, oh, shoot, great. That's awesome. I'm going to get kicked out of here. But, I, but just serve. Serve where you're at. You never know what God's going to do next, so just serve where you're at. Third and final thing, third and most important thing we learn from Joshua, we've said it time and time again throughout this message, and it's simply this. Stay in the tent. When you don't know what else to do, and you don't know where else to go, and you don't know what else to say, just stay in the tent. Just remain in God's presence. Remain in God's house. When you don't feel like coming to church, come to church. When you don't feel like reading the word of God, read the word of God. When you don't feel like worshiping is the most important time for you to worship. It is all a process of staying in the tent. I'm, I'm gonna remain. 
I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay in the tent. I want to read it one more time. You're going to be so tired of this verse by the end of this sermon. Verse 11, afterwards Moses would return to camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. The question is, can you remain behind in his presence when everybody else is moving on? Because what the camp, think about what the camp represented. It says Moses would return to camp. Now camp would have, would have symbolized a couple things. Camp would have symbolized comfort. Camp is where the food was. Camp is where the bed was. It's where you rested. Camp is where the people were. It's where the crowds were. It's where camaraderie was. It was the most comforting place to go. It was the most simplistic. It was the most basic. It was the most duh place to go. But, but Joshua would always remain behind. But I think that Joshua was, rem- was remaining behind and he was getting elements of the camp, but in a different way. And Joshua, he didn't have the comfort that the camp brought, but I believe he was introduced to the comforter. The only real comforter, by the way. When everybody else is going to social media and everyone else is going to, to friends and everyone else is going to culture to find comfort, maybe the best thing we could do as Christ followers is to just stay in the tent and find our only comfort from the truly only comforter, is remaining and finding our true identity in that way. And Joshua didn't have a bed in the tent that he remained in, but I think he discovered a different type of rest. I think he found rest for his soul. And most of us are exhausted, but I would, I would say to you that you're probably not physically exhausted. I know it feels like a physical exhaustion, but you're not physically exhausted, you're emotionally exhausted. And your emotional exhaustion begins to weigh on everything else. And so when you stay in the tent, you find a rest that no bed could ever give you. It's a, it's a rest for your soul. And Joshua didn't have food in the tent of meeting, but I think he got a different kind of food. I think he received the bread of life. The only food and drink where you will never hunger and you'll never thirst again, as Jesus calls it. If you will remain in me, I will give you water. I will give you bread. And I don't think he was around people in the camp, but I think he experienced a different kind of companionship. Uh, this, this walking, this rhythm of walking with the Spirit. And in all of the craziness that you feel lost in, you don't need more money. You don't. You don't need more time. You don't. You don't need more companionship. You, all of the things that our fleshly bodies crave and think that will fill the gap. In fact, really what we need to do is stay in the tent. We need to go back to the place of his presence and understand that this is the only place that we can truly find rest. And what does staying in the tent do for us? The tent puts something in you that qualifies you. And when God came down, when the, C, when, 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 when the CEO, God, came down to Moses, the current president, right? So the president's talking to the CEO, he's having this conversation, he's saying, hey CEO, I'm about to go away and I need a different president to come in and I need you to help me because I'm trying to figure out who's gonna be the best president to lead these people forward. And the CEO is having a conversation with the president. And I love it because the CEO says, okay, I'm gonna email you um, 
the qualifications. I'm gonna email you the qualifications. You're gonna send out this and you're gonna get a bunch of resumes back, Moses. And I wanna give you the operating skills, the only thing that I need to see in a man or a woman before I can assign them to their next calling. And we read it a moment ago, it's in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. This is the CEO telling the president what the qualification is. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua son of Nun with you. And here's the, here's the only qualification, a man in whom is the spirit. That was it, that was it. A man or woman who is satisfied staying in the tent. A man or a woman who is not distracted by the things of this world. And the ever ups and downs of our emotions and the ups and downs of our politics and the ups and downs of our economy and the ups and downs of the stock market and the ups and downs of our circumstances and the ups and downs of our, of our situations that we find ourselves in every day. God's like the only thing that can bring steadiness and resilient in this process and in every course and every area of our life is someone who remains in the tent and they have a peace and they have a stability and they have a hope. Not a hope in this world, not a hope in things around here, not in a hope of trying to get back to camp to see what's going on, to see what they can stir up and to see what gossip's happening and see where they can stick their nose in. No, 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 I'm, I'm okay to just stay back here. I'm okay to just stay in the tent. And, and what do I do when I feel lost? I wanna tell you what Jesus said to do. What do I do when I feel lost? What do I do when I'm confused? This is, this is Jesus's words in John 15, four. He said this, he said, remain in me. Stay in the tent. And when you stay in the tent, I will remain in you. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Has to, he's saying it's the only way. It's the only way to bear fruit. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And I am the vine and you are the branches. If you, there it is again, remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not, man, he really likes this phrase, remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven, and if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Just remain in the tent. It's really easy to preach about. It's a lot harder to do. But maybe we should burn this phrase into our brains and into our memories. Stay in the tent. When I'm tempted to go back to camp, when I'm, when I'm tempted to lash out, when I'm tempted to worry, when I'm tempted to fear, when I'm tempted to, to act on my emotions. No, 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 no. Stay in the tent. Stay in the tent. Now, Joshua, this is interesting. I want to make this one last point. Joshua had to remain in the tent with his feet because it was a physical place. It was the tent of meeting. This is where God would come and meet with his people face to face. So he had to remain in the tent with his feet. We have to remain in the tent with our faith. I remain in the tent. I remain in the tent. My mind, my will, and my emotions will not rule me. They will not reign over me. I will remain in the tent. And this 
is the scripture that tells us this faith that we, that we, that we talk about. Because Jesus tore the veil, you know, the thing that separated the presence of God from humanity. When Jesus died, the, the Bible says that the veil was torn from top to bottom, which symbolized that no longer do we have to remain apart. Now we can be one. And this was Jesus' prayer. I prayed that we would be one. I prayed that we would, would come together. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 talks about a different kind of tent. It says, have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. We remain in the tent in our faith. Remain in the tent, remain in the tent, remain, say with me, say remain in the tent. Talk to your emotions, say remain in the tent. Talk to your fear, say it one more time, say remain in the tent. Carve this phrase into your mind. Put it somewhere that you need to see it. Now that you know the context of this verse, every time you're tempted to worry, maybe, maybe you have a place where you balance your checkbook. You better put a sign right there that says remain in the tent. Maybe you have a place where you look at your retirement account. Put a, put, you better put something over that that says remain in the tent. Some of you need to make this your profile on your Facebook page. Remain in the tent, remain in the tent, remain in the tent. Wherever it is that your faith wavers, wherever it is that your fear overtakes you, carve this into your mind. Remain in the tent, remain in the tent. Would Edmund and OKC, would you guys stand up with me? Just, just stand. And I want to invite you to do something. Um, I want to invite you to, to close your eyes with me for just a moment. I want to give us an opportunity to, to practice what we preach, okay? We're doing great on time. No one worry about that. I want, us, I want us to practice this, okay? So just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to picture that area of your life where you feel lost. What, what is it in your, in your life that you feel like you're in new territory? and you found yourself stepping onto some property that you've never stood on before. Maybe it's our economy, maybe it's the situation you're in, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship. I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to, I want you to go to that place, the place that you are worried about, the place that brings you anxiety, the place if you're awake and you look at your clock and it says 3 a.m., that thing, that thing. The thing you're thinking about at 3 a.m. And I want us to, to go through this process because really the title of my message today is really just an insight in what that is that's in your mind. The title of my message, if you don't remember, it was, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. It means that no one has laid eyes on it yet. No one really knows. It's in my future and I, I don't know what my future holds. I want you to, to picture this in your mind and then I want, I want to, I wanna read this passage over you and I read it in the beginning and I wanna come full circle and I wanna read this passage over you so I want you to open your eyes but I wanna read this passage over to you as a prophetic word. And when I say a prophetic word, I don't say that I'm a prophet. I say that the word of God is a prophet. The word of God will prophesy over you every time you read it. Because you don't read the Bible, the Bible reads you. And so this is a prophetic word for you in your situation, okay? This is what happens when you stay in the tent. And I want you to find peace in this. Isaiah 42, 16. I will lead the blind, that's you, by ways they have not known. That's uncharted territory. That's your new territory. That's the place that you've never been before. 
along unfamiliar paths, I will guide you. You're on a path you've never been on before. And what the word of the Lord says prophetically over your life is, I'm going to show you. I know it remains to be seen, but I will show you. And he says, and I will turn the darkness into light before them. I know you can't see where you're going because it's dark, but I'm going to give you a flashlight. And I'm going to show you the next step. And by the way, don't get mad when God doesn't give you a spotlight and he gives you a flashlight. It's, it's usually not even a flashlight. It's usually like a lantern. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's a step. I'll take that one. Right? Because it's just that next step. That's the only step he shows you is the next one. But I'll turn darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. That's so good. And these are the things that I will do. This is cool because what he's saying is you don't need to worry about it. So stop it. Stop worrying about it. God's like, these are the things I will do and I won't forsake them. What he's saying is I keep my promises. And so chill out. It's the John Chastine version. He's like, calm down. These are the things I'm going to do. Well, then what do I do? What, God, what, what am I supposed to do? Just stay in the tent. Just stay in the tent. Just stay in the tent. Just remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And if you'll remain in me, then you will bear fruit. These are the things that I will do, and I will not forsake them. So I want us to, I want us to worship for just a moment. I want to get out of the way and give you a moment to worship. And maybe in your worship, you need to say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I haven't had more faith. I'm sorry that I didn't stay in the tent. I'm sorry that I let my emotions run. I'm sorry that I let my anxiety run. And maybe you need to have this moment of, of confession. Remember we talked about last week, conviction's a really good thing. It's awesome. Maybe you need to repent for that and, and make a new dedication moment to the Lord. God, today I'm going to stay in the tent. I'm going to stay in the tent. Let's pray. Father, for just the next moment, we run back to you. And Lord, we need your presence. And in this moment, we are in the tent. And I pray that you would come and do what only you can do, that you would come and speak to your people in a way that I never could. And so we're going to block out our distractions in our mind, and we're going to focus on you for just a moment. Because in this moment, we don't need to learn more about you. We need to experience you. We need to experience your presence. We need to experience your voice. We need to experience your comfort. And so, God, as I get out of the way, we invite you to come. And Holy Spirit, come and speak to your people in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond themselves, and be transformed. The only way that can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church give or download our Victory Church app and select give. Once again, thank you. And God desires for us to live life to the full.